And welcome to another episode of Two Medics and One Mic. Your presenters are Imran Lasker and Thrusha Goodwater. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Two Medics podcast. My name is Imran Lasker. I am a consultant radiologist. Hi, my name is Thrusha Goodwater. I'm a cardiology registrar, sub-specialising in intervention. And we have another special guest with us today who's hopefully going to admit who they are. Admit underscore medics. <laughs> Please introduce yourself. That was a bad one, wasn't it? But there you go. That's a decent segue enough. Here we go. Yeah. That was pretty decent, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> my name's Adam Jackson. I'm a... Um, local medical registrar and uh, specialising in, uh, in, in, I don't know, GIFs, usually. <laughs> <laughs> but, but also like genetics and stuff too, right? So you had that really yeah, good... Yeah, I do have a side hustle of, uh, of being knee-deep in a PhD in genetics. God, is that the side hustle? Wow, that's... that's uh... No, that's the hustle though, isn't it? That's, that's the hustle. hustle, really, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm trying to pretend that I'm still, still a real doctor, but... Oh god, yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah, I know that feeling. <laughs> I still see patients. I still see them. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Like, um, so you want to do genetics and stuff. Will you still have to be a medical reg in, in, in that uh, training route? Uh, nah. Oh, what nah. a nightmare. That's worth it. That's what worth it. Yeah, yeah, as soon as Will I you... can drop that, oh, that'll be gone. So yeah. You drop it like it's hot. Drop it like it's hot. <laughs> you'll miss it though, won't it? You'll, you'll miss it. You'll miss oh yeah, I'll, the, miss uh... it. I'll miss it for the Twitter bands. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know how the med reg does what they do. Genuinely, I, did, I remember when I was a junior doctor watching the med reg, thinking, "No, never, not doing that." That just uh, looks like the worst job in the world. But I can't say genetics sounds all that interesting. Uh, tell us a little oh. bit more about that then, because <laughs> I think we we mentioned genetics in an episode. We did. I yeah, think yeah. you might have actually tweeted back at us saying uh, saying something about like, "Oh, these guys just cuss what I." Do. Yeah, I think we're you were just constantly just shunned out. You know, people don't know we exist. <laughs> people don't think we're important. <laughs> And, you know, yeah. don't make a difference to people. But, yeah, no, it's really important, you know. Everyone should really know about genetics as a specialty. Yeah. Um, we tend to exist only in tertiary centres, so yeah. big cities. Mm. Um, and, um, yeah, there's no, there's no like, acute work. No one, no one like, um, you know, no on-calls or anything like that. People don't tend to need geneticists out of hours. How did you kind of, like, realise that that's what you wanted to do? Like, how did you... And did you have, like, inspiring mentors or, like, you know... Tell us how you kind of came, you know, decided. It was in his genes. Sorry. Yeah, I was born with it. Maybe it's made it. Um, Nice. I think I was one of those people that um, just discovered quite early on what you wanted to do. I remember I had a a lecture from a a professor of medical genetics in my fourth year, and I was like, wow, that's amazing. Hmm. And uh, yeah, just um, wanted to do it since then. She actually became my... um, PhD supervisor. Oh, yeah. that's really nice. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. And then, in terms of like getting into trading, just for, in case there are people who have, might not have considered it before, like yeah, you should consider it. But only <laughs> consider it once I've got my trading. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You won't consider it until a good two years down the line. Okay. Uh, uh, uh. So like, um, how do um, how uh, like? I guess there's not many numbers and stuff. Like, what's the deal? Yeah, there's usually m- maybe one or two numbers per <gasps> deanery every year. Sometimes there's none, you know, if oh, you're just God. waiting for a number to come up, so yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Wow. But there's not many people that want to do it, like, like you know, there's not many people that are, that are interested, so the competition yeah. ratios are usually not particularly impressive. 
Okay. God, I mean, I've got to say, like, I mean, I didn't find a lot of medicine very interesting, but I, I might have not turned up to the gene uh, lectures. <laughs> just not something that was. But maybe, maybe life would have been different now. For maybe, maybe I should have uh, should have turned up. I mean, no, no on calls, no nights. It does sound pretty cool, actually. Um, yeah, kind yeah. Of what I'm about. Yeah. <clears throat> Mate, I remember I went to I went to some of those lectures, and they were like five prime to three prime, and they're talking about this stuff. And I remember being like, I don't, know, I've, I'm lost. And that was like five minutes into the lecture, and I remember being like, there's 55 more minutes of this, and I remember. <laughs> Oh god! You, you, know, got, keep... you remember some of the buzzwords? You got like the right direction, anyway. So. <laughs> nice. Okay, yeah. that's, that's literally the only thing. But um, yeah, bad times. Uh, so, shall we go on to yeah, the first I mean, topic? Fair, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about jeans, and um, I guess jeans look cool. Um, so, another person that looks pretty cool uh, is <laughs> oh, nice. um, is uh, your favourite cardiologist who turns up on GB News this week, and um, it just feels like more of a car crash. We're watching good old Steve O or Johnny Knoxville uh, carry on his uh, jackass, really. So. Um, did you guys watch it? What what was going on there? Well, it's uh, it's funny to there's a clip on GB News that um, the well respected uh, media channel, and uh, it's funny because the little <laughs> title across the bottom of this guy is heart attack warning, and it's like Doctor Seema Malhotra reveals a cardiology researcher found similar results to a new report uh, showing an increase in the risk of heart attack. Apparently, it's just all kind of like nonsense, really. Um, and you could just see him there, just smarming his way through this interview. Just talking nonsense and stuff, looking like he's had one too many donuts. He's just—it's uh, <laughs> gross, gross. Yeah, Adam, what do you make of all this? I mean, did you see this coming? I think a lot, all of us saw this, right? We knew it was going to go down this anti anti vaccine thing at some point. Yeah, he's just following that trajectory, really, isn't he? I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's next from the guy. I don't, like, how much air do we give him? Like, you know, the more we talk about it, true. The more you know, we kind of give give him airtime. But yeah, I can't understand how he is existing in the way he is but it's so many people listen to it so many people yeah. are behind him you know, that's, yeah 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 I mean, big big following big i mean I've, I've checked his patron he's got a few supporters now so i mean there's quite yeah, a lot right. of uh, yeah patron going down that way as well so is that how um, he sustained himself people are paying him to continue to come up with bullshit that uh, is yeah must yeah, yeah. I, guess so. I mean, he he's uh, peddling uh, peddling all this stuff, isn't it? Like, and so, um, you know, I guess he must have a private practice somewhere, and he's also yeah. doing this um, this Patreon thing. So, if you were to go check out, you can actually see the number of people that are supporting mm. the Patreon, and then you can. Mm. I mean, obviously, you don't know exactly how much one is making. You don't know how many people are giving regular donations or, or, or support, but you know, there's a fair bit going in there. Um, yeah. I mean, he's just playing up to to the crowd, I guess, right? I mean, yeah, and he probably gets kind of like handouts from industry I mean like there must be people that he's kind of like yeah. I don't know with his kind of uh, exposure he knows what he's doing doesn't he he knows yeah. he must know that this is an agenda does he actually yeah. believe that stuff yeah know. exactly you'd never get a geneticist behaving like this though would you well, you don't see him like that do you <laughs> yeah. yeah well there you go there you go <clears throat> I think we've had our fair share back in the day. Oh, oh, Would you have someone controversial in genetics? I can't think of who it could be. Have I uh, missed something? Uh, no, I just, I just mean there's, there's, yeah, there's a few atrocities, you know, maybe in years gone by. But... Yeah, 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 fair enough. But nothing, see, nothing like my whole trip. See, radiologists, man, <laughs> we're just so docile. We just sit in the background. No one notices us. We're so nice to everyone. And you guys are causing yes. havoc all over the place. You know, you lot. Honestly, someone needs to do something about you guys. Um, there was someone else that we thought ha should have something done about them, um, but didn't look like much happened. Uh, it was a uh, Dr. Heather Heatherwood. 
Uh, Did we see that as well? Yeah, this was quite a big tweet. Uh, It really gained a lot of of traction and a lot of us were quite shocked about what she said. So Dr. Heather Wood, um, she was tweeting underneath um, a picture and it said, always remember that being born in the right place in the world is just a matter of luck. And so um, talking about the migrants and we we talked a lot about migrants with Selva and... um, Another a big med Twitter person is Farbod, who also um, he he was a refugee as well, and so you know we've had heartfelt conversations about this, and we know you know the plight that these people go through. And Heather Wood, um, who apparently is a doctor, uh, says unfortunately though some people raised in certain cultures, particularly Islam, uh, do not want to integrate <laughs> and insist on trying to change our culture. So it's difficult to feel genuinely welcoming towards them, and particularly as so many on uh, boats are young men. Um, a few directions I didn't expect it to go. Um, yeah, but yeah. So it's underneath this picture of this kind of cute little baby in a cardboard box. And it's just really mm. sad. I remember just mm. seeing that mm. when I saw that initial tweet, just sending it to Joe because I don't know, just it's hard not to kind of just feel so awful. It's little kids, mm. you know. Um, but she could pretty much delete all of that tweet and just leave the. It's difficult to feel genuinely welcoming towards them because that's essentially the problem, isn't it? She's just a cold-hearted fossil, isn't she? Just a horrible, <laughs> horrible person. And the thing, the thing to say, she's not a doctor anymore. Not that that makes any better it says so in her bio it says originally a doctor then an academic then an nhs manager so she's gone through she's she's gone through the nhs then it says finally a chi i know what chi is um and hcc investigator lead for the mid staff's investigations well that's reassuring long retired thank god animal lover which i think is probably the funniest thing isn't it because she obviously rates the rates animals more than she does humans but she got buzzed loads. There was a, there's all this kind of like all this Twitter vitriol. Mm. And then so I kept in curiosity. I think I, I, I kind of I didn't reply with much. Um, but like I was interested. The two things when I see this happening, I'm always like, what's going to happen to their follower account? And when they next log into Twitter, like what is their next tweet going to be? Like it's going to be like, oh, I'm sorry if I offended someone, which is something that they do, isn't it? I'm sorry if I offended. And then they just double down or whatever. But this person, she just completely ignored it and has just carried on retweeting <laughs> her bilge. Like what is... Oh. Yeah, Adam, what did you make of this? This is nuts, right? I mean, this is um, this really went on for, a, I feel like it went for a few days, didn't it? Yeah, I think I think her just, just ignorance to it, not not responding. Because I was doing the same. Like I was checking back in on it, being like, she's going to respond to this, surely. Yeah. Surely she's going to come out and say, oh, because you know, sometimes I'll tweet something, and then I'll, I'll open Twitter and I'll be like, oh, I've got a lot of notifications. Like this is either a good thing or it's very, <laughs> <Yeah>. very bad. <laughs> yeah. And uh, if it is bad, and I've said something to offend someone, like, I honestly feel terrible. Yeah. So then I, I would think. Surely, you know, you're getting all this bad response. Like, what are you going to say to that? But yeah, her responses are just continue to retweet racist jokes. And, and yeah, it's just awful. Like, obviously, she didn't fit into any of those, uh, you know, any of those jobs she's previously had. You know, she tried being yeah, a doctor exactly. for a bit, tried being <laughs> academic. Obviously, she doesn't fit in. No one's welcoming her. Yeah, there's a problem there. Maybe that's where the problem came from. Yeah, maybe mm. maybe that's exact. But you know what was strange is that I saw someone else again, like I think subtweeter or quote tweeter, and then someone else said uh, something like, you know, you can't don't call a racist. You don't really know. You can't call someone racist based on a tweet. And I'm like, mate, go go back to a feed. Look what's on there. It's, it's <laughs> her feed. Yeah, yeah. It's really something, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Do you see the one where it goes? I can't. I think she'd retweeted something, and this was going around a bit. Oh, I can't even do fishing. 
because yeah, it, like, I that was, yeah, that's, that was just that. sickening that was yeah, yeah. What? so it was, a, it was a video uh, and it was like, I can't even do fishing right now because at that point whoever was fishing um, saw my, some migrant I hate saying the my, uh, refugees turning up and then coming onto the coast so obviously it was disturbing their pe- disturbing their peace so they were trying to run away from uh, you know having no peace and then disturbing this poor person's peace of um yeah, fishing. Um, it's it's a standard sentiment, isn't it? But yeah, she's got some very. Um, I mean, she she kind of hit on like anti anti refugees, which is one thing. Then she was very sort of Islamophobic in in some of her mm. in, in that same sentence. And then it was like anti what men, I suppose. In in one tweet, there were so many antis in that. Oh yeah, yeah she takes a whole load of red flags. Like uh, there's some transphobia. There's loads mm. of stuff in there. She's just uh, just uh, but she's okay with animals though. So you know. Um, she must be it must be a good person then exactly it brings us on to uh, our good friend Farbod's tweet doesn't it um, yeah. where he said um, when you're not racist when you're racist but you love animals which I think was probably a bit of a subtweet towards her maybe but there was also was, yeah. um, a, a sort of a quoted tweet from someone called Darcy Matheson uh, who had some um, photo of this dog which I'm gonna say look Yuck. Uh, my senior terrier <laughs> fell through the thin ice at Trout Lake after chasing a duck at a dog beach. So you're chasing a duck, you silly thing. Uh, anyway, disappeared into the marsh bog and a search party of caring dog parents. Dog parents, is that possible? Okay, anyway, couldn't find him. We re-emerged 45, he re-emerged 45 minutes later, filthy, kind of was filthy anyway, but anyway, uh, and freezing, but okay, he's happy now. So everyone is like, oh, you know, that's so lovely. But then, um, you know, people are like, yeah, you know, so glad you found them. And then they found the same person who'd said, you know, great, great that you found your dog and your dog's fine. And uh, survivors fear 117 migrants may be dead after capsizing. And then the same person wrote, good. Yeah. Uh, wow, man. Um, yeah, human life, man. Uh, it's easier to empathize with the, with the dog, I guess, than the migrants. There you go. Yeah, which has been my long-term complaint. I've been saying this for a long time, you know. Why don't people listen to me? <laughs> it's not because dogs are there that they're racist. I don't think it's the dogs that are making those people racist. They're just horrible, horrible Just, people. yeah, maybe it's the dog, dog people that I've got, you know, some dog people uh, that I find a bit weird. Yeah, I mean, I have to come out as a, as a dog owner here. No! And, uh, oh, just come God. out and say it. <laughs> that you can, you can stop that bile. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Go on then, tell us about your dog. Go on then. <laughs> oh, he's a King Charles Cavalier Spaniel. He's uh, three years old. Very he's, nice. Uh, he's, he's terrible on the leaves, wants to bark at every other dog. Um, yeah. yeah should, we just talk about, should we just talk about dogs for the next hour? Oh, <laughs> yeah, we should. What's your favourite dog? <laughs> My favourite is, uh, um, I quite like the German Pincher because they're kind of, they look kind of aggressive, but they're still kind of, they're medium sized and they don't have long hair. What do you think, Imran? What's your favourite? I don't really have a favourite. You know, I, I happen to uh, frequent um, Highgate, um, no, Hampstead, and um, because, you know... Oh, well, you pretend time. to be walking a dog, but... No, the, dog. everyone there's got a dog, I, I swear. Right. And then, like, the whole street is just full of dog piss. Like, there's just dog piss everywhere. <laughs> and then, you know, because they're just walking on their dogs in the morning, just letting them pee all over the place. And the other day, I had this woman, and she was walking in front of me, and I kept trying to get past her, but the dog kept getting in the way. And I thought, you know, if you're not careful, this thing might get kicked if I'm not looking properly. <laughs> but anyway, I was... <laughs> I was walking along and another person with their dog came up and then the two dogs started almost getting into a fight with each other and they were so apologetic and then the woman looked at me like oh look at that crazy person with their crazy dog and I thought you're both crazy they're both animals of course they're going to fight with each other why are you looking at me like I've got anything to do with this and I literally had to cross the road I just couldn't take it anymore she was driving me insane Um, yeah so anyway thank you for bringing up dogs again (laughs) 
But you know, I, yeah, I'm not the only. I, I don't think I'm the only person who feels a little bit sick. Uh, you know, thinking about dog licking your face, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It might even make me uh, think about not turning up to work uh, if it made me feel sick enough. Oh, which uh, brings smooth. us on to uh, yeah. <laughs> Ben so Ben Lovell's. Uh, <laughs> I'm famed for it, mate. Um, yeah, so Ben uh, Lovell's tweet. He says, "I will never ever get over the pure undiluted guilt." And when he said undiluted guilt, I thought, "Oh, what's he going to talk about?" Uh, of calling in. Oh, calling in sick as a consultant. All right, I know exactly the level of chaos and carnage it causes at work and the impact it has on all my colleagues, especially considering how insanely busy acute medicine is at the moment. So, yeah, um, have you guys been in the situation where you feel a bit guilty for calling in sick? I mean, you're human, you get sick. It's difficult, isn't it? It definitely, It's definitely like one of those things where you know that like literally everything is staffed almost at a minimum. So when you're not there, it's going to be terrible. And particularly when you're on call, that's always the one that kind of hurts the most, right? And yeah. there definitely been shifts I've turned up to where I've just not been very well and just tried to like soldier through and stuff. Um, mm. um, how about you, Adam? Have you? Uh... Yeah, I've got. I've got. I mean, I've, I've definitely called in. I've called in sick to a night shift before and felt yeah. terrible about it. But you know, it's genuinely sick. Yeah, um, the thing is, though, the show just goes on, doesn't it? Like, yeah, exactly. As much as, you, as much as you think it's not going to happen, it just yeah, goes absolutely. On. But it reminds me of um, another time before I did CMT. I was actually a peds trainee for a bit. Oh, I was very really bad at it. Um, and uh, <laughs> I, uh, it, it was a series of un- unfortunate events around about the time we got married, and then um, we were living that was in the. Unfortunate event, though, wasn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it was. That was part of it. But, um, <laughs> don't worry she doesn't listen to this I had to explain to her what this is that was very difficult okay, but, um, yeah. so so we were living in an apartment block and I used to park my car in the underground's car park and we were next to a river and um, the river burst its banks and my car got uh, flooded oh, I know. so I literally like submerged under like a couple of metres I was like, I'm definitely over-egging it maybe a <laughs> metre of water wow. and um, so it, I couldn't I just couldn't drive it uh, but the, the same storms were happening the next day or so, and all the trains were uh, oh, cancelled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was on the night shift, like uh, maybe about an hour away. Yeah. Uh, and I had to call in, but I've got no way of getting like, I could work if you could, I don't know, get me there somehow. Yeah. I yeah. just couldn't get there. And uh, But yeah, I think it just meant that the registrar worked the night shift on their own. But um I felt terrible, but I think I think they just managed to just get on with it. Yeah, exactly. It's not like you can send a helicopter or anything. But like, mm. it's that thing, isn't it, where you're kind of like, oh, the if a person's off sick, you're like, oh, okay, well, you know, you just carry on, just keep like keep scribbling, just keep writing, keep writing, like what else yeah. can you do? <laughs> um, but it's I, I remember like one of my like colleagues who like had active diarrhea, and oh, he like oh, <laughs> turned no, up to a shift. No. Yeah, literally, and he's like running to the toilet, and everyone's like. This is no, no. <laughs> you just please no. just go home. Yeah, yeah. Literally, like oh, oh, I have to die Wow. I, you know, I think as time went on, I I became less less. But I don't know. Like, uh, is this bad? Like, um, I think part of the reason was I was having a bit of a tough time with my training department. I didn't feel that particularly supportive, and. Um, I said, you know, if I got sick, I was sick. You know what? Like, what can you do? Mm. Get someone else to cover that shift. I guess maybe things are slightly different in radiology because you're not running around as much. And I know it's hard on the one person by themselves, but it's still more possible than looking after an extra ward or an extra two wards, is it? Isn't it? So maybe that's why I didn't feel as bad. Um, And I think as a consultant, I still don't feel bad really anymore. Like, I mean, if you're sick, you're sick. Uh, Maybe because I'm working a fairly... um, 
a department that's quite supportive um, for that kind of thing. I mean, they know life happens. And, and generally speaking, right, if a doctor calls in sick, I mean, they're sick. I mean, they, they don't take that kind of decision yeah. lightly. Although there, I do remember when I was an F1, I did a swap with another F1. And then the, the we had two F1s on the same shift. And the other F1 met, called me up. I was like, listen, why did you swap with this person? You know they're not going to turn up. I was like, I didn't know that. So, oh, look, they're renowned for not turning up. They always call sick on the weekend, always. And lo and behold, oh. that's exactly what they did. Yeah, 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 exactly what they did. They they didn't. They said they were sick that weekend. And this is like a constant theme with this person. Everyone knew that don't, you know, mm. don't expect them on, on the weekend. They're going to be sick. And that's what happened. Amazing. So, uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah, I know. It's a shame that kind of stuff doesn't um, doesn't get called up. Uh, maybe they needed a, a, a speech from a, a senior to maybe um, scare them. There was this the thing, oh, welcome, welcome to the wards, wasn't it? Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. I was like, where are you going with this one, Imran? Where are you going? <laughs> yeah, Dr. Dean, uh, he yeah, says, yes. we- yeah, so welcome to the department. <laughs> I can be your best friend or your worst enemy. Try not to be sick. I've never been sick. What a lovely welcome. So uh, have you guys had been introduced to a department like that? I mean, that's um, red flags all over it, isn't it? I've had, I've had yeah, induction. That's terrible. that's terrible, isn't it? Welcome to the department. <laughs> I can be your best friend or your worst enemy. What kind of vibe mm. is that? Um, but like, I'll take, I, I'll take the first one then, please. Like, <laughs> if you're offering, <laughs> absolutely, it's just so ridiculous. Um, I do remember like one induction where they were like, "Oh, the matron is uh, she's very particular, and but she's been here a long time, and she works very hard, and she bleeds for the department. So you know, if there is going to be a problem, then you know, we're going to support her. Literally, like along those lines, Ooh. and I was like, okay, uh, that's. That's telling. Um, mm. So I've had an induction like that. But um, try not to be sick. I've never been sick. That's ridiculous. But uh, it sounds like we should be harvesting that person's blood for science, shouldn't we? And be- <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's something interesting going on there. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Check out those genes. Tell us what's in there. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> that's what we need. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Adam, have you been in a situation where someone's been mean on your first day like that? I mean, I just, maybe I was lucky. People, when I had Phil as one of my seniors, so, you know, there you go. That tells you quite a lot. Oh, well, yeah, you'd yeah, yeah. be, be absolutely fine there then. <laughs> yeah. no, I, don't, I don't think... Um, I don't think I've, I've definitely not had an induction experience like that, although I have heard of them elsewhere. Yeah. I've definitely not experienced it myself like that. Well, Dean goes on, doesn't he? He goes, we can be flexible with leave if you're yeah. flexible. If not, then we won't be either. And it's like, uh, it got better. Uh, then they randomly just said, can we have some room etiquette? Get off your phones and laptops. It's disrespectful. If you do an inappropriate referral, I'll ask if you were on your phone during my talk. And apparently nobody was on their phone. It just hmm. all seemed really weird. But there's another thing. Someone's got a complex here. So yeah. Someone's got a complex and is enjoying, you know, making people feel on edge like that. They must get yeah. a kick out of it. Yeah, yeah. You know, actually, there. I had a good friend who, when they became senior, they told me that they would tell the junior that um, shit always flows downwards. And the point of them saying that was that if something goes wrong, it's going to be, it's going to come onto you eventually. And I thought that was a really... Um, mean thing to say uh, but there's something they maintained I think that's a line from Scrubs is that where it came from okay I think fine, so fine. maybe it's going to be funny then but <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't I didn't take it Oops. yeah I mean I might have said that I don't know whatever <laughs> but is that, is that like one of the medical consultants or something just imagine if um, I don't know you, you were I don't know you, you, you had to call that person some point in the middle of the night and you've had that induction from them like, it would just really put me yeah. up you know yeah, I'd be thinking yeah. twice like, be like oh maybe I can just wait and yeah, yeah, it speaks to me in the morning when there's patients, you know. It, they don't sound approachable, do they? Yeah, they just don't sound like an approachable person. But Absolutely I don't not. think people people realise that, like, um, let's say if something does go wrong 
and then they ask the junior, why didn't you call the senior? And if you say that, if the junior says, well, I don't find them very approachable, then it becomes the, the, the senior's fault. Like there must be something going on. Like why are you unapproachable? Your, your job mm-hmm. is to be approachable. Um, yeah. So it's a really important thing. Like even if someone doesn't want to be approached, you you being in that job in a position of being senior, it's part of the job, mate. I'm sorry, but that's the yeah, way it should be. I appreciate that. Yeah. You linked another tweet that had a sim- tweet that had a sim- similar vibe. Um, tweet. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, tweet. Oh. Uh, <laughs> do you see the the one from Dom? Do you want to read that one out? Um, oh, this was yeah, Do- Doctor Dom. First day of Gen Med Rosa today. Was told by the FYT that you will inevitably finish late, not get paid for it. We're doctors, not nurses. Uh, you won't get your break. You're a doctor now. Ooh. And uh, <laughs> anyone who exception reports isn't pulling their weight. Jeez. I want to go back to Peds now, he says. Fair play yeah. to him. Who, who mm. would want to stay and stay there when you've got, you know, somebody just a year, year, year ahead of you who's giving you that kind of chat? You're right. It's like, there's so much wrong or weird with that, isn't it? Like, the fact that they're just like an F2, so they're an F1 literally like hours ago. Um, <laughs> yeah, literally, it was hours ago. We had a, uh, this, uh, yeah, this was, uh, yeah, everyone has a bit of, a, I'm sure everyone has a WhatsApp group when you're yeah. like an F1 or whatever. And the, the admin of our WhatsApp group, when uh, we ran F1 um, on Black Wednesday to, to our F2 year, immediately changed the name of the WhatsApp group to SHOs. Sunday, <laughs> 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 like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> and it, you can tell he was he was probably one of one of the people like that who oh, was you know made a lot a lot, a lot about it and then already you know. a mister and all that yeah fair enough mm. yeah. I think, um, I think he, I mean, I think he went to do ED so I can't even blame it on being a surgeon uh, so. <laughs> uh, so the narrative um, when you when you go into radiology, if you go from F two into radiology, you're a reg straight away. And I think I mentioned this before, but one of my friends yeah. got really worked up about not having the word reg on his badge. I, I wasn't aware of this, but it, you know, I didn't know that you could be. And then he got he was really complaining about it. Then he, he ended up getting some tape and writing like registrar, and then putting it onto his badge to That's show everyone amazing. that he was a reg. I was like, mate, come on. <laughs> That's pure jokes, that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a few of them like that actually. Apparently, that he was a, yeah. for them it was quite the big step up. For me, I was like, no, 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 no. I'm I'm not really a reg. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I still remember like I, I, when I did the respiratory job, uh, when I became an ST1, the respiratory registrar who I was the F1 for turned up at, to ask for a, my opinion on x-ray. And I was like, mate, <laughs> you know more about x-rays than I do. I was literally an F2 like a couple of weeks ago and stuff, but she still wanted my opinion. So mm. back then everything was normal. Yeah. Uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, like, looking at this tweet even more, I mean, there's other stuff, right? So we're doctors, not nurses in this kind of purely like, I don't know, yeah. really big bollocks way. And then um, people who exception report isn't pulling their weight. And you were saying, Adam, like that seems like a really peculiar thing for someone to say who kind of has um, basically become a doctor within the climate of that not really being the case for exception reports, right? Should yeah, be- I think uh, like if, um, like if, 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 if that F2 had not been able to exception report, like, and an exception reporting had just come in for this new F1. It would mm. make more sense to me that mm. they would have a problem with it, that seeing as it's been around for years now, and uh, I don't know why anyone would have anything against exception reporting. Like, it's only, yeah. only going to do you... I know, I know the the, um, the actual doing of it and the forms and stuff can be a bit of a nightmare, but yeah, like, I can it imagine. can only be a good thing, I think. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the kids these days, they should be able to do it, whereas, like, for me, it'd probably be, like... Me trying to unlock my iPhone, like, oh, just, <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> just 
What? I thought that'd be easier. You know, Apple's made it so easy for all of this stuff. You, you think, just like right? slap your forehead on and it's, it's doing what you want it to do. <laughs> I think it's the reflection of my forehead must be like just setting it off. Blind in the iPhone. Siri's like, please, my eyes can't yeah, take exactly. it. Yeah. Oh, where's the hair? Where's the hair? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I was going to talk about Hassan, but he's actually subtweeting someone else. Should we yeah, go into okay, that let's one? Go, let's take a step back. Yeah, from Hassan. We'll get, we can get to Hassan. So go yeah, on. Get to Hassan. But there's yeah, we'll pain. Propane yeah. fitness, although we're doing him an advert, although he's, he doesn't need extra publicity. He's got plenty as it is, it is right? So this yeah, is yeah. Dr. Yusuf. Other fitness brands are available. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Watch, <laughs> Watch this space, etc. Oh, uh, yeah, exactly. Propane fitness. So he, he had 12 reflections. I didn't realize there's that many. Wow. Uh, propane mm. fitness. I just quit being a doctor for the NHS. Here are 12 reflections. And then he, um, I mean, did you... You like this yeah, story, I, I read you, through right? this. I, I quite liked it. I read through it. And um, I kind of agreed with a lot of what you were saying. And I was surprised that there was any negative, negativity towards him. Um, you know, clearly he... Um, I think one thing that people didn't like that he'd said something along the lines of being eight, paid £1,800 a month and that's not really worth it. I think... And people kind of felt as though that was a bit... Um, kind of looking down on what is what is a very good wage. And it's true, it is mm. a very good wage. But clearly this is a young man that has figured out other ways to make money. And for him, in his personal situation, uh, he's probably better off doing whatever he's doing. And I, I've seen him do the, the do the rounds a fair bit. I've seen him over the years. Uh, he clearly, he runs a fitness uh, industry, uh, a business called Propane Fitness, where he has you know, your bog standard fitness regime, but also helps um, other trainers um, work on their business and has also got something called Propane Business. Interestingly, after I said, you know, good luck, because I felt a bit bad, some people being a bit mean. So I, I said, you know, good luck with whatever you get up to, mate, and, you know, best of luck with everything. I went onto YouTube, as I usually do, and I just started getting adverts from his business, like, mm. all the time. And I'm like, mate, like, what's this, with this algorithm? Like, uh, you know, I found you interesting, but not that interesting. You've got to be in my YouTube adverts all the time. But yeah, I didn't see what the big deal was. Like, you know, fair enough, mate good for you go for it like how many of us if we were able to make more doing something else would stick around yeah 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 i think i'm, I'm just jealous i don't have a side hustle like that like i don't i don't have you know something that i could fall back on like have those ideas that yeah charisma he must have to be able to do all that speaking and coaching yeah. and stuff so people obviously have talents outside of medicine and then um, you know if, if he does and he's able to turn that into a career then well, well, yeah i mean it's a scary thing, though, I can imagine, because me medicine's quite a safe thing to do. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, that's one of the things I always appreciated about it. Like, even if, if I went out of training, there's always be a locum job or something that I could do that you could get, you know, food on the plate and all the rest of it. And I do think about my dad a lot these days where, you know, he ran a restaurant. So, you know, he could pay the bills if people bought the burgers. And if people didn't buy the burgers, there'd be no bills paid. Whereas I don't actually have that situation where I kind of know that, this is how much you're going to make. If I do anything extra, then that might do better, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's a really brave thing to do. And I guess you, I would have thought that you must be pretty confident in whatever you're up to, um, just going to be able to cover that. Uh, he wasn't the only one who, um, actually, big, one of the big names that sort of left, I think Ali Abdal. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you guys are aware of him, but he he also left. And um, again, I don't blame him. I mean, if you, if you do watch his videos, which I do, um, you know, if you're making about 3.5 million in a year, that's... Um, it's good going, mate. You, why would you hang around? <laughs> it's more than most consultants do in a lifetime. So, yeah. For those of the, who don't know who Ali Abdal is, he's a, I mean, he's a kind of foundation trainee in the east of England. He, uh, mm. he uh, 
regime in the region and uh, he went to Cambridge and he did a series he did I think it was his YouTube channel that was kind of so popular to begin with right mm. which is talking about productivity but he yeah. seems to kind of I've noticed he's done some videos on like reading and like how to how to make notes and it's kind of like he's found this kind of really interesting niche right and he's really just mm. kind of spun off from it and then yeah, um, yeah. I think he'd kind of for a while just kind of said that he was taking a break and then I think now he's decided he's leaving medicine um, yeah and yeah. Rohan Francis who's He's not leaving medicine. Rohan's an interventional consultant, but he also has like a social media kind of platform. But he was talking about like the number of F1s that he's come across who have left medicine. And he was kind of saying, mm-hmm. although a lot of people have said, um, a lot of people assume that's because of the working conditions. He was saying, I don't think it's just that. I mean, these are just kind of like bright people who are kind of like um, just re- just really intra- entrepreneurial and mm. just uh, are much more willing to kind of consider other things whereas perhaps a generation or so before would feel more entrapped or kind of and so they just don't feel that inertia which is you know mm. interesting really you're framing it a different way so i mean adam have you ever felt like leaving or you i mean i mean it sounds like you kind of love at first sight i guess genetics and uh, no it, yeah you know? no i did so i i, I left my peds training post um, oh, wow. so i have experience of um some experience of that, but I, I never, never was going to leave medicine. I don't think, mm. but yeah, I mean, yeah, that was. I suppose I, I was, I'm in an hour about whether to leave or not for quite some time. Yeah, and then mm. uh, I was getting nowhere with my portfolio, and then I mm. wanted time off to go on honeymoon, and it was just yeah. not happening. Uh, so it was just like the straw that broke the camel's back, Absolutely. and then I, I kind of went and said, you know what, I'll just leave if you don't give me this time off. And uh, they just went, okay. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> so well, no they, they really weren't, they really weren't, they weren't, weren't bothered about keeping me. So, <laughs> <laughs> so then I, I walked out and was like, ah, <laughs> ah, <laughs> Sounds I mean, like you made the right call, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I've no, got, I, think, I think everything turns out, turns out in the end, doesn't it? Yeah, but, yeah. So. It's just that that time when you make a decision like that is like it's really scary as well. People tell yeah. me like if you give up a trainer number, particularly you know people 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 really put a lot into their application to get a number like that, mm. and the, mm. then you're just giving it up. You start mm. to think, oh, am I doing something unwise? Like, do I just need to stick with it a bit longer? But I think yeah. really, if you're unhappy at it, like you you, sh- you should leave. And it, there's yeah, always you you'll always be able to get jobs, you know, training yeah, jobs enough. afterwards. And then. Did you do so? You did core medical. Tra- How long after that did you do core medical training? Uh, so I took I took it. I, I left Peds after ST one, so I didn't do yeah. do too long. And then there's yeah. six months of locum in Peds, just right. cream creaming off the top, just gravy train. Yeah. And Peds night Peds night shifts were absolutely delicious. Oh, lovely! Yeah, so nice. for the pediatricians out there, I'm sure they're very busy now. But, um, <laughs> then, then I went back into adults to do a clinical fellow job, and then I did CMT. So it was just like a year that took took like yeah, fair enough. And then, I mean, did you find CMT any better? I mean, in terms of like, were you like, oh, I need to get through this, or was it like actually? Uh, it's a totally different ball game, I think. I think the struggles mm. with peds were were different. Um, mm. And then in CMT, you just get handed a load of responsibility. Yeah. Like suddenly, like you're just looking after these people. Mm. Um, which I think I did actually quite enjoy. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I'm glad it's worked out. Um, yeah, it's, 
it's quite nice. I mean, medicine's good in that way that there is that opportunity to reinvent yourself if you're willing to put the time yeah. in, I guess, isn't it? Which is which is quite nice. Um, but I think, you know, you wanted, Therusha, you want to talk about Hassan's sort of quite long subtweet to yeah. uh, propane fitness. I just thought it was funny. Yeah. I just thought it was yeah. funny. So he got, so Hassan Alibeg um, at Notorious PEG, and I've got to represent because he's a cardiologist as well, right? So, and so he said, <laughs> one like is one respect. One retweet is an endorsement of everything I've ever said or ever will say in perpetuity. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so he goes, one, I have no discernible talent beyond medicine and hence lack a lucrative alternative income stream. Now, we know that's not true because we've seen his picture and he is immaculately coiffured. So that's not true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, two, I'm a paragon of virtue. I believe you, Hassan. And then, uh, oh, the third one is quite Batman-esque, which I really appreciated. While other people are insulted by clapping, I thrive on it. The applause makes me grow stronger. I just, it's just, it's just amazing. It's just, I enjoyed it very much. Um, yeah, it was a good tweet, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. He kind yeah. of took every single thing that the other guy had said and kind of subtweeted every single bit to it, which is um, fair enough, funny. you know? Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. It was funny. Yeah, it was funny. And um, for the lulls. You know, it's, I think, uh, I think number, ten, number 10 is my favorite. So <laughs> I, just, I just fucking love being kind. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both, mate. Yeah. 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 yeah, so yeah. I live for. Guess we're out of bed. Who am I going to be kind to today? Exactly. Um, we've had some um, funny things happen this week as well. Like um, we were talking about scrubs. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago about scrubs being tucked in? But now there's been a challenge to the jumper. Oh, yeah. What does it mean for Christmas jumpers? I mean, coming up to Christmas and now you're telling me there's a problem with jumpers. Um, there was a, an account called We Nurses, which is a big account. I mean, how many followers, how many subscribers or followers is on that one? It was uh, it was cohesive. Yeah, 100K plus, like 105,000. Wow, um, so that's almost in my hotter levels. Yeah, yeah. well, almost. Um, and then there's a poll, wasn't it? So would you challenge... It's like the, the choice of word as well. Like, would you challenge medical staff wearing a woolly jumper? Yeah. Um, have they misspelled woolly? Anyway, uh, sleeves rolled up whilst working in a clinical area. And then and then 31% of 333, so literally 111, people said, yes, definitely. Some people said probably an unsure, un- and then no way was 34%. But literally, yes, definitely, was over 100 people. Like, why, are they, why are they challenging people over their jumpers, especially if the sleeves are rolled up? Like, what's the issue? Like, because they look so... Like, maybe it's a challenge, like, where did you get that jumper from? Or what, what's going on? <laughs> it's a nice <laughs> jumper. Yeah. I wore a jumper today, but I rolled the sleeves up. I quite like. I get Did cold, you get yeah. challenged? No one challenged uh, no, you. Nobody cha- no challenged me. No one, challenged nobody dare challenge me. Yeah, like, do you know who I am? I'll tweet about you next, then talk about you on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I challenge you to combat. Yeah, on a horse. <laughs> Mate, what is going on? What is wrong with people? Why are they challenging people? Like, why can't they be doing their job? Just like busy challenging people. Do they have other stuff to do? We nurses, come on. Don't do that. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, Adam, have you ever found yourself challenged over what you're wearing at work? I, I honestly have never, never. And some of the stuff I've worn has been terrible. <laughs> I don't know. I've worn the same shirts uh, until COVID happened and we could all just wear scrubs. So everyone yeah. just yeah. blends in. But I, I just have the same shirts for years. And then my yeah. wife would be like, Adam, there's sweat patches all over them. Can you get rid of them? <laughs> I'd be like, oh, but I like this one. It's comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Joe just yeah. throws that away. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Anyway, it makes for a difficult conversation. I can imagine. You know, if um, <laughs> if someone's going to come up to you and say, you know, you need to get that jumper off. I don't like it. 
But there was someone else who tweeted about difficult conversations. Did we see that? I think Rosie, uh, a past guest, was talking about um, having difficult conversations. Yeah, I think she was at a conference, wasn't she? And they were saying that they were talking about how we might prepare a lot for a tricky procedure, but not prepare quite in the same way for a tricky conversation, which is an interesting topic. Yeah, I mean, I don't do very much prep anymore um, for procedures. I mean, most of mine is just like, yeah, you know, it's injection, but all right. Carry on now, you know. <laughs> Stick it in. <laughs> Good. Um, yeah, exactly. But I, I suppose, I mean, Thrush, I mean, what you do is pretty, I mean, I'm not going to pick on you, Adam, because, you know, how, how complicated can gen- genetics be? But Thrush, you know, he, he's messing with the heart. You know, he, he's going to cause a stroke. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Imminently. Um, you must have quite a quite a formidable, um, you know, procedure to tell people like what what's going on, no? Yeah, I mean, I guess there's like MDTs and stuff, right? Or where they talk about planning upfront like complicated PCI but interestingly actually that's the topic that's come up recently whereby we have those meetings but perhaps we should be consenting those patients separately because they're going to have much higher the, the fact that they're they're deemed to be so complicated that they need to have like an MDT plan their procedure maybe we should also mm. be consenting them to say we've had to discuss your meeting because this is like statistically much more you're more statistically much more likely to have a complication but we, we don't mm. really, I mean, as a, as a kind of, um, as a general rule, we don't tend to do that, really. But I guess that she kind of centering it on the conversations that we have with families, right, which can be challenging, and how much preparation do we do? And mm. we were talking about that yesterday, weren't we, Adam, like um, about when you go and speak to a family and perhaps we aren't always as prepared as we could be, right? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd never thought of it in the way that Rosie has tweeted it, like um, how much you actually prepare to go in and see a family. And there's definitely scenarios I can remember where I think I was underprepared when I was going to have a conversation about something. And there's definitely scenarios where I've, I've witnessed someone else having that conversation, being underprepared. Yeah, so it was just, it was just it was a tweet that made me think anyway. Yeah. About how much I... I've sometimes had it, had it where like a nurse has been like, oh, this family wants to speak to a doctor. And I guess when they framed it in that way, but then you've actually then you go into this conversation, and you realise that that's because they're really really unhappy with so- something or whatever. Yeah, and you just don't, and you're yeah. like, oh god, and then you know you kind of feel like you've just kind of walked into. And like, it's, usually, it's usually when you're on call or something. You've yeah. Never met a patient, yeah. And none of it's, but you you end up receiving a load of flack, and you need to remember like they're obviously venting from you know, the experience they've had, not specifically on you, but it might feel mm. like it. You know, I remember um, when I was doing Care of the Elderly, I think someone's, um, you know, the, the patient was in and then I think the daughters, for some reason, kind of rounded on me to be the person to always talk to them. And it's like getting to the point that any time I was even walking past and they kind of saw me, they'd chase after me. So oh, I started wow. doing the situation where I was trying to go around, the, go in the other way and go hide <laughs> in different places. It was getting really God. silly because you've got so many things to do. The last thing you want to do is re-explain everything. And especially if nothing's changed, if something had changed, yeah, then fair enough, yeah, yeah. but nothing had changed. We're doing exactly the same thing as we did yesterday. And I did try and tell them, look, not, not much has changed. They're like, okay, yeah, but what do you mean? And I was like, so I had to kind of explain the entire thing all over again. It was just getting so... Um, yeah, it was getting really quite difficult for me, um, for me with, the, with that particular family. And I just found that kind of interaction uh, quite taxing on time and, and emotions as well, because, um, yeah, you know, you can see how much they care and how much they want to, to know. But then it's not, I know it's part of our job, but is it really, you know, like um, when you've got so many things to do to, to have these difficult conversations with, with patients like that, right? Um, well, I don't know. I mean, it, yeah. it is, isn't it? <laughs> 
Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> yes and no. I mean, look, when you're the F1 running around making those decisions, well, I, I just felt like not me as a radiologist. As an F1. Well, yeah, definitely not anymore. Now it's like go talk to GP, mate. I'm not getting involved. With that. But um, no, but I mean, is like you know when you're the F1, like you're not making decisions and stuff. Like, oh, you know, I see. Maybe talk to someone more senior, but but I think because they kind of rounded on me for whatever reason, they yeah. they, they like talking to me. It was it. That was it. And sometimes the nurse would call me and they'd say like they want you specifically. I'm like, dude, I've got nothing to do with this. I've got nothing to do with this. Yeah, I mean, I guess in a way that's probably a compliment, isn't it? Because they obviously felt that you were the person who was kind of handling yeah, yeah, it so well. Yeah, trusted but, you. And... Yeah, exactly. And I guess one of the other How things wrong is they that were. <laughs> <laughs> I guess one of the other things is that if you think about all the other jobs the F1's doing, that's probably the most doctor-like thing that you're doing, which is talking to the family. Whereas all the other things, yeah. like you know, go to do this TTO, go to put this cannula in, and they're all kind of like really procedural. But they're nice to like tick them off on a list, aren't they? Like tick, 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 tick. Whereas talk to the mm. family just kind of feels like this kind of bubble of this cloud of like stuff that mm. just seems like a time vacuum whereas like I don't know when when a cannula's in or when you've done a discharge summary that's like a job completed and someone could then move on to the next stage I suppose you but, never really know how it's gone either like you yeah. can, sometimes you can have that conversation and, and you can think oh, it probably went alright but you don't really know what the other people thought but when, when you talk about those other tasks like the cannula either went in or it didn't mm. uh, sometimes I've had conversations with families and I've come over you know what yeah yeah absolutely boss that yeah and then the, you know, <laughs> The next day I find out that they went to find someone else afterwards, but I don't know what yeah. he's talking about. <laughs> Those, that, that, that used to happen to me and that used to break my heart because I'd be like, I thought I've really got there. I use this really like cool kind of like, um, I use I do diagrams or whatever and they were just like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I um, even showed them all 23 pairs of chromosomes. <laughs> <laughs> You know, um. we, we had this one patient and um, I think every morning, you know, she would never remember what we'd said the next morning. Every single day would always have to explain the same thing. It was really sad. And then we had this uh, this GP um, trainee who start with us and um, he was like, you know, I'm, I'm the big shot GP. Don't worry, I'll take the water. And I was the F1. I didn't know what to do. And then um, we went to this patient. And then the patient was like, oh, no one's told me why I'm here. And I was thinking, you know, oh, no, not this again. And he literally went through all the notes, explained it. And I kept trying to signal to him, can we can we speak for a second? We do the same thing every morning. Do not do this. And he was like explaining and going through. Oh. It was so, so good. But the next morning she forgot. And he was like, what happened? I was like, listen, I was trying to tell you yesterday, but she never remembers anything. I'm really sorry, but all that work. And he was so distraught. He was so distraught that all the effort went out the window. Oh. Um uh, anyway, there was another tweet kind of going along um, the lines of patients. He goes, I, uh, Nicola Henderson, uh, she tweeted, I had a patient who complained about waiting times. So I advised them to complain to their MSP. A short while, late, short while later, I received a complaint from the MSP on the patient's behalf about waiting times. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, right, so um, who do we go to? What do we, what do we do? Like, if you can't go to them and then go to us, I mean... It's kind of a full circle, isn't it? Like, uh, yeah, where do we go to when uh, when someone complains about waiting times? Yeah. GP, that's what uh, I say, go talk probably to Probably, they're the answer to everything, really. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They've got plenty of time to sort that out as well. Yeah, exactly, 10 minutes. All roads lead to GP. But like, it's yeah. kind of like, it's funny, isn't it? Because it's like the patient's like beating you with a stick and you're like, no, take this stick and beat the MP with it. And then the MP comes and beats you with that stick. Like, it just kind of <laughs> seems like, I don't know, yeah. it just kind of came all, it just still comes round to you. Like you tried to redir redirect the venom, but it just came round by a different angle this time. And <laughs> It's like, who's to blame? Oh, you're still to blame. Like, oh, okay. It just, uh, it had that, 
uh, I don't know. Yeah. But you yeah. see, um, Miran, he he replied. He had an interesting reply, didn't he, where he was talking about how. Um, so something similar happened to a colleague of mine in Leeds, insisting that the patient was bumped up the waiting list because privilege. Nice. Patient was told to join the back of the queue in no uncertain terms. Good one. Um, <laughs> but geez, I just uh, what. I can't believe yeah. uh, people are tr- I, uh, even try it. You know? Yeah, like, I know. I mean, a, a, talking about A&E um, waiting time, I mean, Nina mes- um, tweeted that in A&E, uh, sorry you've been waiting so long, patient. And the patient goes, that's okay. I can see how busy you all are. And it kind of, and she's highlighting the issue that, you know, this patient has seen how busy A&E is yeah. and therefore is okay with waiting. But then yeah. when they go to see the GP, they don't get to see the invisible work that happens behind that closed door. And so then they're upset. You know, yeah. um, I've yeah, got an idea I mean, for this. I've got an idea. Go right. So what they should either do is have like a webcam over, over the GPs, like over the GP, so you can see them like live. You can see what they're doing at any moment in time. Um, or you can have because that might be intrude. Like if they want to pick their nose or something, that's probably. But what they could do is like footballers. They have they can wear a device and then they could like have and they could provide like a heat map for them so they can see exactly where like the GP's been. <laughs> <laughs> and then like every day or like have a little like ticker monitor outside. Like the GP has seen four hundred like has done, answered four hundred calls today. And you can see it like it ticks and live like every time the GP mm. puts down the phone it goes tick and they can see it I think that's the solution because otherwise if people don't literally see it with their eyes or read about it in the Daily Mail they'll just be like oh the GPs aren't seeing everyone face to face essentially I think I think we're at a situation now though where you could have that you could have that on the, at the GP surgery you could say the GP has answered this many phone calls today and people would yeah. read it and say that's a lie that's the position we're in I think yeah. Okay, well, what about when you go to a restaurant and they've got like a, a see-through kitchen so you can see what they're up to? Maybe yeah. That's yeah, I was, I was about to make some sort of reference <laughs> to Wagamama too, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like a Wagamama of GPs and they can maybe cloud up the curtains uh, when they're about to that's true. Know, examine the patient. That would be great. That's what they should, you know, why don't you just do that so easy? Just sort do it. Come yeah. sort out. And you, Silver. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like Wagamamas. Yeah. Yeah, so um, we also, I mean, we've had a few changes this week, haven't we, where mask has become quite, um, it's become like a compulsory thing. It's becoming a compulsory thing to wear on public transport, which is good. I mean, obviously, um, you know, wearing uh, masks is a, an important thing to do. And it's been shown by the Bangladeshi um, study not so long ago to actually be very, very effective. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, there are some kind of, there are parts of society that I don't think we're really taking into consideration when we talk about masks and everything that's going on, and I think um, Doc Neens, uh, comma, in it, that's quite a good name. Uh, does anyone else find that they are constantly being told to let things go and to learn to stop overreacting to things? I've di- I was diagnosed this year and had a, and rather hoped that a family would stop saying things like this, which ends up triggering me more and leads to uh, meltdown. Um, was this talking about like if you dropped a mask and you, and you kind of, you may have um, a compulsive disorder, is that the one? Yeah, sure if I got this wrong. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, if you if you were to drop the mask, yeah, go on. Yeah. So it was um, she was commenting on a thread by Pete Wambi, so at comma aficionado, and he's just talking about when an autistic person or someone with OCD drops their mask, and he's basically talking about the anxiety that I guess would surround that situation, whereby you kind of worry about the mask becoming contaminated when it's made contact with the floor, but then also you're maskless and kind of having to suppress the anxiety about. Um, you know that there are some people who might give you a hard time for not wearing a mask but at the same Mm. time having to put the dirty mask back on your face and um, I guess 
the Doc Neens' tweet was kind of centering on the fact that that is just like a really difficult situation and then being told to kind of like let it go and stuff isn't really that easy. But it's just really mm. like an interesting perspective, right? Because I guess, uh, but this kind of gave you a like, oh, actually, you know, this is like a human's, like an understandable kind of position whereby I can see how it'd be very kind of detrimental or scary or mm. kind of anxiety provoking um, in that situation. Yeah, I mean, this is something we see in other walks of um, society as well. Like, I think where I've read about someone who's parked in a disabled spot and they don't overtly look disabled. Yeah. Um, they're able to walk out the car and then they've had nasty notes and, quite, you know, um, mm. messages sent towards them because, you know, they don't look disabled and they've gone and parked in a disabled spot. And so um, I guess for all of us, we should try and remember that, you know, some people can't wear masks you know there's so many situations where people got anxiety you know and that kind of thing where covering up your face is actually not something they can actually fathom and so not everyone out there is anti-mask they just they can't wear a mask and so maybe we should be a bit more careful about uh some of the sentiments we have towards people yeah i mean maybe that's something we should take from this yeah, yeah. what do you think adam yeah I mean, it made me think anyway yeah, yeah. I, as you as you said yeah I mean, i've never been someone who's really um challenged anyone maskless yeah. i don't know maybe i'm just too much of a i don't know too much of a normal person no no i'm not sure if i'm ever going to win the argument is all if, if it was a bona fide anti-masker and yeah. then i always want to give people the benefit of the doubt you know you can always leave the house and accidentally not take a mask and then you know there's lots of reasons why you can just find one or maybe you could buy one i don't know yeah, I've never, yeah. never, cha- I've never challenged anyone. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, I always feel. I mean, it's happened to me where I've forgotten the mask, and then I, I really want to get the sandwich, so I've had to like literally, you know, those little, you know, I'm wearing a ski jacket, and I had to like zip it up. Oh yeah, yeah. Just put your hand over your face. Yeah, yeah. Put my hand, out, my elbow over my face, and <laughs> I, I wonder if they look at me coming in, thinking, "Oh no, we're going to get robbed." And I'm like, "No, no, no, <laughs> I want, I want that sandwich." <laughs> right, I'm, I'm not going to rob you. Yeah, Chill yeah. out. I think I might <laughs> just start wearing a balaclava now. It's cold anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I'm sure I won't yeah, turn exactly. any heads when I go into Tesco. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so true. It's so true. Yeah, I mean, look, we're showing. I mean, I think um, there was another tweet that I, th- I thought was quite good, and I do want to. I, I do want to bring it up. Is um, uh, it was in New Zealand. Um, we saw that there was some solidarity showed between doctors, um, and it, more specifically, psych- psychiatry trainees, and yeah. um, I think a whole load of them quit. Um, because they were not happy with the working conditions. And um, we saw this. It was, uh, who tweeted this one? Um, someone called Tani Bridson. And she said, Today I stand with my fellow uh, trainees as such as such myself and members of the training committee who officially resigned from our posts so that we can finally have a voice without being silenced. So um, it, does, um, it does make you wonder about, like, would we ever be able to pull something like that, that here? I mean, we, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, I think the, the things that are kind of so powerful about it are this is the whole kind of trainee representative committee, and they all resign their numbers. There's like six or seven of them, um, mm. all doing it at the same time with this really strongly worded letter, which is along the lines of, look, you know, you're unable to meet the basic requirements of a medical colleague, uh, college. You know, you've, uh, you've had a prove, proven inability to deliver fair, consistent, and successful examinations, um, and. Uh, they were saying that uh, they're unhappy with the training program and didn't feel it met the needs of the psychiatry trainees. And you know, f- to have like such st- st- a strong enough conviction to resign your number in that uh, in that way was very powerful. Um, and the the letter was just really uh, well written. 
it'd be nice to know that that kind of movement by them brought about a positive change. I wonder. Um, oh, you'd hope so, wouldn't it? I mean, it's quite a big statement, do you think? I can't imagine they're trainees, though, right? Happening here. Yeah. yeah, and like whether like the Twitter storms, like if they're powerful enough to kind of do that, uh, mm. I hope so. I can't, you know, I, I'll be one of these paranoid souls that like if we had six of us together and said, look, we're all going to quit, I'd be worried that one of them wouldn't, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, and that's, that's be one of the things that crossed my head. And in fact, I think part of that is um, a remnant from school, actually, because um, we, there used to be these, there, our classroom used to be around this corner. We used to go through someone else's classroom to get there. And this teacher used to get really angry, like, this is not a thoroughfare. And that just became the, the ongoing <laughs> thing for the entire year. We kept going through. And then this this teacher of ours was quite like a cool cool guy. And he was like, hey, she, you know, in the middle of the lesson, he goes, should we do something fun? Should we um, go through her classroom in the middle of a class? And we thought, all right, if you say we can do it, let's do it. So we all lined up and then everyone's like, Imran, you go first. It's like, all right, all right, yeah, here we go, here we go, here we go. All right, lads, all right, lads, here we go. Yeah, yeah, and I walk through and no one else walked with me. And I was walking through in the middle of this classroom, looking all confident, like, yeah, 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 here we go. And she goes, what on earth do you think you're doing? And I turned around and I was like, oh, great, there's no one with me. And she was like, how dare you walk through my classroom in the middle of a class as well oh this God. is absolutely despicable and I looked and all the other guys are just laughing outside and then oh eventually man. after absolutely berating uh, the the uh, the, the um, teacher walking says, listen 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 stop 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 I put him up to it um, I'm really sorry it was meant to be a joke and all this stuff and I was literally like shaking like oh I remember shaking inside like my insides it felt like they just burnt up and like disappeared oh and I, apparently <laughs> Uh, they thought I, I said like, how did I look and everyone's like you look like you had a really big smirk on your face the entire time so I must have died so much that I was dead with a smile on my face <laughs> oh man no wonder you yeah, have trust was... issues after that you would like... yeah exactly so yeah. I'll be the kind of guy that look all six of I'll, I'll, no, you, you quit first you go you first, quit first yeah. you quit, and then I'll do it okay I ain't, I ain't going by myself and I ain't going first no way um so um, we've got the big story that we should probably do, right? Oh, yes, we should. Out. Yeah, we do want to go through the big story, don't we? So we always say this, don't we? Didn't we say this to you, Adam? Like um, something usually happens, and this was kind of uh, boiling up during the week, wasn't yeah, it? But yeah. then, you know, as of yesterday, it kind of blew up a little bit more, didn't it? Um, Adam, do you want to tell us about this one, the big the big one of the week? So th- this is about the, the GP who's been, well, the patient with spina bifida who's successfully sued her mother's GP preconception it's a bit of a bit of a mind boggle really yeah, isn't, it is. it, isn't it yeah where do we yeah. start chicken of the so, egg so oh, yeah. apparently he hadn't documented or had he done I've not read en- enough about it really but uh, he has apparently advised on a folic acid but not in strong enough terms or something like that um, yeah. as, to, as to whether she should have been taking a preconception and uh, I think she's was, was it the mum's made the argument that she would have thought differently about when she would have tried for a baby or something if she'd known that mm. um, yeah I think so um, yeah exactly the uh, I mean uh, so Tech Priest has kind of uh, he's got a tweet where he's got the kind of um, the legal outline so if you wanted to look for it so Tech Priest he pre- uh, tweeted at 10.45 on the 2nd of December and he said this ruling if not o- overturned on appeal would appear to make GP and OBS and gynae completely uninsurable specialties for medical indemnity who would prescri- who would practice in fields where someone could sue you 20 plus years later for being born and he's referring to that case so it's the EV Tombs versus Dr M Clyde and Co Act for GP and claim for wrongful conception and from my understanding although 
we're going to have to say, because it's this kind of active process, allegedly, allegedly, that the conversation about folic acid did happen, but they were unable to convince the patient, from what I understand. And so um, along those lines, I think they've said that, so there, it's been alleged that Dr. M failed to give proper preconception, preconception advice about folic acid supplementation. And that had she been properly advised, she would have delayed conception. Um, in such circumstances, wow. I mean, there's so many things, right? Like, for example, the implication that having adequate folic acid, like having uh, um, it almost guarantees that you won't have a neural tube defect, which sounds a bit peculiar to me. And then there's the whole, how, in, how, how, in how stronger terms do you have to give someone counselling? Like, at what point does a person, you know, telling a person... Do you have to be like, you know, serious, like, you know, when you, like, for example, if I'm speaking to a smoker and I, and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, I've heard it all, you know, everyone gives me a hard time about it. Uh, uh, is that enough for me to stop? Or am I supposed to say, well, no, you need to hear it from me too. Or does that make me liable? Like, where does that stop? It's just, um, it's so peculiar, isn't it? And then it's, it's then it's the child of that, per- like, wow. Um, it is scary. What a, what a I imagine a lot of this is is down to documentation as well. Like if you were to ask me about an interaction I had with a patient a year ago, I probably wouldn't remember it. Yeah, of course. So is this an interaction the GP remembers, or are we going off of what the GP documented? I think it's to do time? with documentation. Yeah, back back in. And it, then it just makes me think when I document when I've seen a patient, like. You know, you're busy or whatever. I don't know how much I would stress in the document. I could have stressed it really heavily, but then maybe have just said, counselled about whatever. Like, you know, it's just made me a little bit. Maybe I should be documenting a lot more. Well, I mean, know, which is a sad state of affairs. Like, you shouldn't you shouldn't be practicing defensive medicine. Yeah, so I mean, like, in the article it says, so it was accepted that Dr. M had no recollection of the consultation and was therefore, therefore entirely reliant on his usual practice and his note which read, preconception counselling advised folate if desired discussed. The judge did not accept Dr. M's evidence that in accordance with his usual practice, he advised a 400 microgram supplement for women preparing for pregnancy. And in the first trimester, he would additionally advise that if a patient had very good folic acid intake from their normal diet, then the benefit of supplementation would be less important. Although the dietary intake of folic acid would need to be very good in order to avoid the need for the supplement. The judge found that Dr. M was uh, was attempting to reconstruct a conversation on the basis of an inadequate notes, as you say, which required him Mm. to speculate or make assumptions about what was said she found that this evidence was unreliable so yes exactly that i suppose can you imagine like what the documentation would have been like 20 years ago as well like um yeah yeah well they still documenting on those little cards yeah exactly oh yeah they're the little like um, (laughs) tiny little documentation little card things yeah 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 oh god yeah imagine imagine trying to do an audit back in the day yeah (laughs) trying to go through all that trying to find something I don't know, probably didn't do all that many audits, yeah. Little pencils with a rubber on the end and just, oh gosh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very um, strange place to be, isn't it? Um, Because, you know, for all of us who do documentation, we need to, what, do we need to underline things more, put explanation Mm. marks, happy faces? Um, You know, um, I mean, I guess uh, from my point of view as well, like, you know, I I report scans now and then if what happens if in 20 years' time someone sort of, that tiny little speck became something 20 years later, I mean, yeah, it's it's um, it's something like this. Hopefully, hopefully it doesn't go much further. And it, you know, someone was saying that this could go to appeal and probably get overturned, which is fair enough. But you do feel a bit for the doctor who has to go through this, right? Like it's like you hear when someone gets a GMC referral, 
and they're innocent, you know, even having to go through that referral is quite a, an emotionally taxing uh, thing. And so for something like this to happen and then to be all over the papers and knowing that, you know, this they're talking about you essentially, mm. um, it's, it's going to be difficult for whoever it is, you know. Uh, I feel bad. I feel bad for them, and I, I don't know what the spell is for the future for all of us. It feels a bit like the, um, who's that pediatric uh, pediatric doctor? Oh, uh, um, uh, Yeah, right. Exactly. So after that had happened, we all we mm. all, you know, questioned our own practice, mm. our documentation, yeah, uh, how do we interact? Yeah, the reflections and all that kind of thing. And now you wonder whether this is a similar situation. We're being kind of alerted to the fact that. You have to look after number one um, yeah. to the best of your ability, and even then, it might not be good enough from the looks of things. I mean, what else can you do apart from document? What what can you do? Video cons- yeah. consultations and film the thing. I think um, so. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, is it going to go that way? Are we going to end up recording conversations? Yeah. I, f- I feel like that's the only way, right? And then yeah. I think um, Arafat was talking about like having AI, like do, like where perhaps like part of the consultations is the, um, maybe the first bit is done by AI or like they have to watch a video or something before they see you, yeah. which goes through all of that stuff. Or maybe they have to watch a video mm. at the end and then they have to sign to say they've watched it. Because it's, again, and this that comes down to like responsibility, isn't it? Because that's the issue mm. here. Like who's going to take, resp- like this is apparently in that situation, she wasn't to know like so that it's the doctor's responsibility to like was that information it does make you wonder maybe we should start making like a a video that all people everyone who's looking to get pregnant should just watch and then click on yes I've watched it all the way through just like they do with our training yeah before no 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 that is a consultation Uh, I want to have a baby okay watch this video and then click on the little tick button and say yes I watched the entire thing answer a few questions and um that's it. I mean, that's what they would do if it was a training uh, training video. Maybe that's what they need to do here. Yeah. I, I'm just saying, this is how balmy this whole thing is. Yeah. I'm not saying that's what no, we should no, do. I'm I just think, saying yeah. this is I think that's a fair point, isn't it? Because, like, you're right. Because, like, in some ways, you almost need to have that uninterruptible spiel. Because, like, in, in the in the context of a conversation, you do get interrupted and go on segues, don't you? And then you might forget, like, you might not, like, really, like, labour this particular point because you've yeah. maybe gone and, like, I don't try to explain I, something else. And it's the same advice for every single person. You know, it's the same advice. Mm. I'm folic acid. I mean, there's something that we've all known about. So maybe they should just have, ah, oh, you think about getting pregnant? Well, here's Dr. Nick, and he's going to explain to you about Dr. getting Nick. pregnant and folic acid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, one, no one in particular I was thinking about, yeah, the Simpsons person, in case someone say, says I subtweeted them or something. Um, yeah, yeah, fine. Fair enough. I think, um, was there, I think we've got so many, we never get through every single subject. Was there anything that you guys want to talk about? Any burning ones um, that we haven't touched upon? There were a few. For example, there was that interesting thread from Ben Lovell, Ben Lavelle. Oh, oh yeah. my gosh, I didn't even, I wasn't, anyway. He was like saying about, there's a tweet that says, if you're a consultant and you can hear your F1 getting an absolute bollocking over the phone from someone for any reason, you really ought to take the phone off them and say, hello, this is the consultant, how can I help? Rather than just giving them a sympath- sympathetic grimace. I mean, I, I wish I wish I would have had a consultant come and do that for me. It's, it's not happened for me. I've actually had a consultant give the grimace where, I mean, this is involved in cardiology and radiology, so you're both oh, to blame. Oh, I was no. tasked. That's what he came on for, to gun as, us. As, as, the F2, as, as the F2, I had to call radiology for a CT angiogram or something. I wanted to do an, an angio, but they wanted to CT... They want a CT before they did the real angio. Right. I don't know what you cardiologists want, but it sounded reasonable. Anyway, <laughs> so they wanted me to chase radiology. I'm sure you love being asked to be to chase, chase. things in round. Yeah. 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 And anyway, I had to bring the radiologist of the day to, to chase this. 
and uh, <laughs> I, I looked on the the rotor, and uh, you could see who's on call, and I saw who it was, and I was like, yeah, my heart dropped out of my ass. I was like, okay, <laughs> this is going to be awful. <laughs> yeah. and so uh, I bleep him, and uh, I, I start I say, oh, it's sudden on the F two on cardiology. And he said, I'll stop you there. Like, okay. <laughs> it's, like, um, it's not Adam, is it? Like, um, it is. It's like, no, it's Dr. Jackson. Oh. And you need to tell oh. me you're Dr. Jackson so I can find you on the road to later when you've made a mistake about this referral. Oh, so this is the wow. beginning. This is the beginning. And um, then I was like, okay. And it's like, uh, can you, um, do you want to start again then? It's oh, like, oh okay. Um, I'm, I'm Dr. Jackson. I'm the FY2 in cardiology. I'd like to request the oh, Dr. So-and-so would like to request a CT, whatever. And, but then I kind of stumbled, and then it was like, a CT what? A CT brain? A CT abdomen? A CT penis? <laughs> and then um, it literally said CT penis. Wow. And uh, I was so stuck that I was like, uh, uh, and he was like, do you want to go and talk to Dr. So-and-so and come back to me? And I was like, okay. So then I put the phone down, and then I speak to the cardiologist. He gives me a bit more of a lowdown about it. Um, and then I have to call him back. Oh no. And, um, did you tell the cardiologist that you'd had this horrible conversation or did you just kind of... Yeah, um, he said... Um, and then he, he was like, call him back. It get, <laughs> oh God. It gets more complicated <laughs> oh, because no. this CT had been requested and refused already because the guy had renal failure. Right. Um, mm. And so there was already a request that was in the system that had been rejected and needed consultant-to-consult discussion. So oh. I don't even know why I was involved. Oh. Uh, so then I went to see him and I was like, oh, I just spoke to Dr. So-and-so and he's like, oh, did he give you a roasting? And smiled at me. And I was oh, like, what? yeah, he did. You know, and I've got the rest of the shift to work with that. You know, like, thank oh, you very man. much. Yeah. Oh, sorry, dude. That's oh. And it, at, the end, at the end of it, the cardiologist just said, yeah, I might just do the angiogram anywhere. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> so there you go. Oh, oh. Man, put you through all of that, honestly. What a bunch of arseholes. You're right. They're all dead. Yeah. And then oh, I was eating a donut and he said, you know. <laughs> <laughs> CT penis. Oh, what a terrible joke so, as well. That's a terrible comedy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was it's an awful not... joke. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, if I could have, if the consultant could have stepped up there and, you know, when I said, oh, this has been a problem, I was like, oh, I'll call him then. You know, yeah. But, mm. yeah. I think once, so I, I mean, this is quite early on. I think I had a, a reg with me and um, she, I think we we're doing CT urgent session or something and she was taking the phone calls and I was just reporting away and then I could hear her getting a bit of a bit of grief and then she was like, look, um, you could talk to my, my consultant about it. And then I think whoever was like, yeah, yeah. And then she goes, yeah, I'll just pass it over to him. And I was looking at the screen. She goes, Imran, I was like, what? She goes, it's time for you to step up. And I was like, why? Because you're a consultant. I was like, yes, I am. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, okay. Well, what do I need to do? And she goes, you need to tell this person. Yeah, and I was like, okay, okay, I'll, I'll say that. Yeah, let's do it, let's do it. So I will like, say that. <laughs> tell me what to say. I will say that, yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, whatever it is, I'll yeah, just get rid of them. Um, yeah. Fair enough. Um, yeah. I had a situation once where, like, um, well, like one of my favorite, one of my favorite SHOs, she had been given a, like, roast by, like, an ENT reg. I think, like, she'd seen a patient who had, like, stridor. And uh, he'd, come, he'd had like some throat cancer or something. And uh, she phoned up this ENT registrar who'd been like really horrible or something. And she came she came up to me and said, oh, I've just had this really difficult conversation with this ENT reg. And he was like, he basically was just really belittled me because he said, oh, that patient should obviously just be made palliative. And I don't know, and like obviously don't know what I'm talking about. So they said that I should come and talk to you. And I was like, but the patient's got stri- stridor. Okay. Um, Hmm. Uh, fair enough like good on you for like calling them and stuff and then I thought actually that's really out of order like what the hell so then and then I thought 
uh, what should I do? And then I like, um, I thought I'd just call the consultant. So I called the consultant up at like two in the morning and I was like, oh, your registrar just like uh, said that this patient should, and I just like dubbed him in. And I was like, oh, your, your, um, your registrar said that this person should be palliative. I'm not sure that's uh, very appropriate and stuff. And the ENT uh, consultant was like, yeah, fair enough. Uh, don't worry. And then uh, I get a call from the ENT registrar, maybe like 15, 20 minutes later. Oh, so I've just been asked to like see this patient. And uh, and I was like, oh, yes. And he goes, oh, can you tell me a bit more about the patient? And I said, oh, well, I think my situation has already spoken to you about, right? And I was like, well, yeah, I just want a bit more information. I said, like, oh, I think you'll probably find it out when you come and see the patient yourself, mate. I'll see you soon. And then put the phone down. I, I had such a massive brain. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this, like this. <laughs> Right, it was amazing. Uh, just in case anyone's wondering, it was a fist, but actually it's probably just yeah, like he, a little he, finger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I, I was about to say, Thrusha just put his fist up in the air, but it's not. It's, yeah, it's just a little just finger. Just so everyone knows. Yeah. Did, yeah. Uh, did the ENT reg then uh, document, uh, thank you for referral? <laughs> I, I, was, I don't know, actually. I didn't know. I should have like uh, got the follow-up on that. But. Yeah, yeah. That's funny, man. Um, cool. Um, I think we've hit time, no? I mean, should we? is there something else or should we just... Um, there's a tweet about people who take uh, pictures of their lecture slides and I was thought, oh, yeah, and so yeah. sometimes when I go through my phone every so often I come across this like one lecture where um, I think I, I went to the lecture in 2016 and it was about cardiology and pregnancy which is always something where I know when I'm in those lectures I'm like I need to pay attention because this does stress me out it does scare me like pregnant women <laughs> and cardiology at the same time it's terrifying need to pay attention take yeah. photos but I never ever read them but I have them on my phone I imagine like in an emergency I'd be like hold on one second I've got exactly I've got the right photo. I'm just going to go back to 2016. But uh, do you ever do this? Did you ever take pictures of lecture slides? And, you know, is that... Something? I mean, you'd have to attend the lecture to take pictures. But um, <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I don't. But I, I have noticed that, um, yeah, people do take photos of the, of the slides. And um, I was wondering whether, like, if you're the lecturer and someone doesn't take a photo does that mean that's a bad slide mm. i mean does that mean you haven't performed um, go home and cry yeah. about it yeah. <laughs> exactly all the effort the time. Slides. Yeah. <laughs> what is wrong with the slide yeah. well, you know uh yeah i think um yeah i've seen i've seen that and it's kind of a newish thing uh, but i don't i don't have many uh, at all slides. Uh, actually uh, well, I've got lots of slides. I don't have photos of other people's slides because oh, I, I barely pay attention when I'm there. I just I don't <laughs> learn that way. As, unfortunately, I just really don't. I find it difficult to learn uh, in that kind of environment for some reason. I'm always the one on WhatsApp messaging you through, sure, during these things. <laughs> yeah, <fair enough>. <laughs> <laughs> or tweeting away. Yeah, yeah. Um, fair enough. Cool, man. So uh, yeah. I think um, it's been quite an eventful week. I think um, the anti-vax things uh, moved a bit. And we're now we've got this weird situation of how to document. So everyone out there, document well. Document well. Um, yeah, try and document well. Keep yourselves out of trouble. It, it's a changing world, world out there. Um, Asim Alhotra, hopefully you don't turn up on GB News again. Yeah, well, uh, it'd be very funny if you did listen It'll to this. It'll be a presenter soon enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. True. The segment from our yeah. in-house doctor. Yeah, our, our in-house health doctor. expert. Yeah, exactly. It'd be like <laughs> Hillary Jones for GB News. Yeah, right? exactly, exactly. So Adam, you know, thank you so much for yeah. um, for coming on. Um, thanks a lot for having me. I'm a big fan. Yeah, thanks for thanks for being. We've had a few nice tweets this week, haven't we, Thrusha? People um, saying we were um, top podcast. And they're for, rap for some people. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, that was cool, man. I really appreciate it. So thank you to everyone. Um, please keep do giving us feedback. We do try and act on everything that we we hear. Like if we if you think we're not done well on something, we will try and bring it back and stuff like that. So we do appreciate it. 
Um, do leave us a, uh, a rating if you can. If you can't bother to get your finger in, just click on five or four. Don't go beyond uh, down to two or one. That's yeah, just much. save it. Save uh, it if you. Just, yeah, save that for another day. It yeah, gives yeah. a chance. <laughs> um, anyway, so thank you so much, um, Adam. And um, yeah, thank you all. Um, Twitter for being entertaining as always. Uh, let's try and stay out of trouble and let's not get cancelled. All right. Have a good week, everyone. Bye. And you've been listening to Two Medics and One Mike with Imran Lasker and Therusha Gurwadna. Thank you for listening.